Okay, here we go. This is, all right, I, th- I've been waiting my entire life for this. I've been waiting. That's a little bit of an exaggeration, all right? This is the only chance we were ever going to get to talk on this podcast about Taylor Swift. Well, let's let's stop. Let's stop and think for a moment. Just yeah. because we can do something, <laughs> should we do it? No, man, we got to get on the bandwagon. She's hot these days. We got to like get a little bit of uh, a little bit of Swift juice. No, I don't know. There's probably a name Swift, for it. Swift I'm, magic. Let's, let's not Swift do that. magic. I guess right. Yeah, I'm not. Swift, Swift I, I am not. Uh, although. I, uh, Don't, one, I, I, I'm disavowing myself. This no, so so uh, or, or certainly this leader. So there is one and only one very tiny, slight, sort of kind of way that Taylor Swift and Elon Musk are alike. Do you know what that is? Private jet. I do not. Uh, they are both really annoyed by the fact that somebody is posting their um, their uh, ADSB data on Twitter or wherever it is they're posting it on social media. Um, so uh, yeah, you oh, remember, oh my, yeah, right. So uh, yeah, apparently Taylor Swift is uh, is uh, I. So um, 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 disclaimer here. All right, until about couple months ago i only knew the name taylor swift i really knew nothing about her it's not my kind of music it's not my you know genre it's not my generation all right but you can't help but notice taylor swift i think if you ask me in the last you know six months or so and uh she's taking over the nfl she's got the biggest show, you know uh, uh uh stadium show in the world right now she's like all right and so i've kind of grown to admire what she's doing she's and and she's not entertaining it's fun to watch some of her stuff um but um uh she's kind of in the news now right and uh we got, yeah, i think, we got I think to- what i would say is that she's a machine and she's been working um in entertainment a long time um yes. and was it not oh, yeah. is it not wasn't she part of like a disney thing wasn't she, is that hannah Montana? i don't know no, i think I you're thinking of uh, you're thinking of uh, miley cyrus um, yeah you're right but anyway um, she's been doing it a long time oh yeah and uh, she broke know, out when she was like I, six yeah 16 yeah. years old um yeah which is you know like almost what it's almost 20 years ago now um and so yeah she's great I remember uh, that, yeah no, I was, I was going to say the other thing that I really impressed is is that you know she's re she's remastered and re recorded all of her albums. So that That's she a bit of a scam. Right. Has nothing to do with generally really straight here. I wasn't going to stray this no, far from I, general I, aviation, but that is an interesting thing. That uh, yeah, um, your daughter is the gener- is the demographic. Is she a Swifty? Not to my knowledge. I think that that somehow my daughter has missed Swifty. Um, my daughter, well, I am so proud of my daughter. I, you know, every I'm, I am, I am the beaming father, and I'm, I'm sure that I've shared some of the stories with you. And there's always yes. more to come. Yes. Um, she's she's taking flight lessons now, and and she is working oh, cool. her way towards her 50 hours. And I, I and I don't know if I told you guys a story, but at 50 hours, I promised her I'd buy her a set of a twenty Bose A20s. So yeah. she's <laughs> 40, 44 hours, 43 hours in, and she's circling on that final. And, and more importantly, she's learning how to land the airplane. So she got really good at it once and then she got cocky twice so i was like well you're gonna have to okay. show me is she <laughs> so is she training with you or, or someone else yeah well of course yeah, she's okay. training with, yeah yeah well yeah, no yeah. not she's, necessarily of course but yeah okay well, that's cool. true yeah 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 well can meet can meet your dad owns an airplane and uh you know i'm i'm just I, so proud of her about how you know kinesthetically i you, you'll hear me say this again and again but kids who people people who are young um, not necessarily kids, but people who are young, kinesthetically are so fast. They learn make the mechanics of flying an aircraft faster than than I ever could. But mm-hmm. intellectually, they are not very good. 
and they need a lot of help and, and guidance and structure to teach them all of the things that us older people have learned through life. And, um, you know, there's, there's a magic balance. Yeah, it is. It, it's experience. And how do you, how do you apply the, uh, that power to the wheels? So anyway, so you're, you'll hear me beam about her every once yeah, in a while. There, yeah. So, times. so she could learn, you're saying she could learn to be a Swifty if she, you know, she, she could learn to be a Swifty. Um, she could learn. And, um, you know, the, the, if I really wanted her to be a Swifty, I should pay no attention to it. And if I wanted, if I want Swifty to die in her in her in her shoes, then I will tell her how much I like Taylor Swift and how cool she is, and and immediately my daughter will lose all interest. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So uh, Taylor Swift um, obviously uh, is is big enough and 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 has in, is in the market for it and she has her own private jet. I don't know what does the story here tell us what her aircraft is. She um, just sold, according to, to Avweb, she just stole sold a uh, Falcon Seven X, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Um, but so what? Yeah. Um, so a she is is that the only airplane she has? B. Um, whistle up a net uh, a net jets or, or whatever and who cares yeah yeah so there was a really funny uh, uh meme or whatever you want to call it floating around the internet the last so so part of the big tale this is an aviation story i promise um i'm, I'm, I'm waiting for that part please continue we, we've been talking about her, her selling her jet we've been talking about people publishing right, I'm, I'm, her, her I'm, 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 I'm flight listening. aware stuff I'm, I'm all right so um one of the big Taylor Swift stories in the last six months is, is she's apparently pretty seriously dating um, in a pretty serious relationship with this uh, Kansas City football player. All right, and uh, and uh, the and the NFL's quite annoyed at how much attention she gets from attending Kansas City uh, Chiefs games, um, and uh, um, all season long, um, the, the number of times the cameras cut to her up in the in one of the VIP suites. The, so the NFL is annoyed by that. Yes, they. I, Ironically, they shouldn't be if you ask me, but they are apparently. They don't like being being upstaged by this by this singer. Okay. Um, so, but here's the here's the aviation story. So, uh, the Kansas City Chiefs, maybe not coincidentally, make it to the Super Bowl this year, right? Um, and so, her boyfriend, not to be dis, dis, you know demeaning or whatever, to um, her, her uh, what's his name? It's um, I'm blanking on his name now. Yeah. Yeah. But anyways, um, so uh, she obviously wants to go to the Super Bowl. All right. Um, Here's the gotcha. All right. I mentioned earlier, she's in the midst of this great big uh, worldwide uh, stadium tour where she's doing her show Eras, the Eras tour um, all over the world now. Um, And like the day before the Super Bowl, she does her show in, I believe it's Japan. Okay. That's why I heard Japan. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I like literally the, during the day before the day of the Super Bowl. All right. And so everybody's all in an uproar whether or not, whether or not Taylor can make it from Japan. And there's time zone issues and right. And, uh, there's actually a, a, a TikTok video floating around of this guy with a whiteboard and a bunch of clocks drawing time zone pictures, you know, saying, well, it's, it's, she finishes at 10 o'clock at night in, in wherever Japan, and she could be on a, on a plane by 11 o'clock and the, and the time zone changes and the international dateline changes. And, uh, one of the, uh, one of the, uh, uh, videos I saw on this subject, then cut away, Jeb, you'll appreciate this to a, a classic, uh, West wing, uh, scene where the, uh, the, the West wing staffers are trying to decide what time the president gets back from a trip to Europe. And, uh, um, you know, is, is that yeah, local yeah, time yeah. or is 
that our, uh, you know is that our local time and so anyways everyone's really all upset not upset everyone's like worked up is Tyler physically going to be able to make it back in time to be at the Super Bowl um, and uh, the consensus is she w- she can she will um, but apparently this jet of hers um, might not be the solution because it can't make the trip in one stop um, it needs fuel at least once for that kind of a, of a trip, I, is where I read someplace. Yes, yes. And uh, what, so, why don't they just wait until she gets there? <laughs> well, that, that's certainly one question. The other question is, does she really have to be there for the whole game? Oh yeah, well, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's just it's just a Super Bowl. We can wait for Taylor. There, there. Yeah, yeah. Right. It's oh, just I a see Super what you're Yeah, right. They're, yeah, okay. Uh, so, uh, so that's why she needs a. You know, I don't know. Maybe that's why she's selling her jet. This one's just not doesn't have the legs. That's probably as good a reason as any. Um, you know, and, but, uh, well, well, but then we have to ask, what is she going to replace it with? Yeah, I think you know something like a BBJ or something like that. You Maybe. know, like a, a serious transcon airplane, airport, yeah. airplane. So, uh, well, a, a, a Falcon Seven X is a serious transcontinental airport airplane. You're talking about a, a transoceanic airplane. Well, I, that, you're right. That's that's what I was thinking. You're right. That's the right word. So, all right. So there we go. Um, yeah. She doesn't like that they're posting, and I kind of don't blame her. I mean, if you're a celebrity like this, especially a woman celebrity, to have your your location publicized like this is 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 understandable. It seems disturbing. to me you used to used to be able to block you used to be able to block that stuff on the ADSB. Well, you, ADSB is raw data, man. It's not encrypted. Yeah, see, that's the thing. Uh, the, the, this is public when, access. When, I mean, when things like yeah, right when things like FlightAware used to get the information from the FAA, that could be blocked, as I understand it. Mm, right, that's correct. Okay. But but it, but like Jeb says, you can get ADSB. You can set up a receiver on on the roof of your house, all right, and it will hear all the ADSB. And that's how they're doing this. Apparently, there are networks of ADSB sniffers all over the whatever country, world, whatever, a la Live ATC, uh-huh. um, where where it's just like a a crowdsourced well, thing and, live and AT, yeah exactly live atc listens for for audio yeah um, um flight 24 i think it is um is is interested in the digital alphanumeric yeah. information yeah now whether or not and and we talked about this back in the early days of eadsb we used to talk about whether whether or not you could well you certainly wouldn't be legal to spoof your adsb id but the question is whether it was possible for you to get an anonymous adsb id or an you can, un- you can do that now you can yes L- legally well let me i, I may be confusing yeah, the, okay. uh, the faa the uh, once the once faa has the data they can do that yeah but um I believe that some 978 megahertz uh, um, ADSB boxes will do that under certain circumstances. You have to j- jump through a hoop or two. I, 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 you know, you catching me a little bit off off. Yeah, no, somewhere I, I, along the way, I heard that that was possible. Yeah. Anyways, okay. Well, or understood that that was possible. Anyways, well, there we go. That's a. That's a. Okay. Yeah, I'm okay. Taylor um, Swift, man, Taylor Swift. Here we go. It's like she's into everything now. Well, she's well, got airplanes thing, and she's taken over the NFL. And did yeah. you say here that she's suing uh, this this person who's posting? Uh, that's what her, I. There's stories data. floating around that she's filed yeah. a lawsuit asking yeah. I don't know some sort of restraining order kind of thing. I don't know. Um, on what grounds? 
She argues that it is tantamount to stalking, um, and uh, I, I'm, I, I feel her pain, but I'm not sure if that has legal grounds or not. I don't know. It's yeah, a, it's a, I'm not sure that's going to have any legal. It, it's a tricky subject because it, it is arguably dangerous. It, uh, it is arguably a danger any, any, to her any, to have this information publicized. Um, so I'm not sure that that's tr- that's true. I mean, it, it's relatively easy to figure out where she's going to be on some occasions. Um, yes, but that don't, don't involve an airplane, or that perhaps even do involve an airplane. Yeah, but having it published on Blue Sky is like a whole different level of of. Everybody knowing. Uh, well, given how far Blue Skies progressed, uh, I'm not sure that's the case. Okay. That said, um, I, I, someone with with the will to do this doesn't take much technology is going to do this, and whether they broadcast it uh, on the internet or or share it with their their um, friends. Uh, the data is out there. The information is available. You can drive down the street and record all the license numbers you want. Yeah. Um, if, you, if you're doing this out in, in public, it's open season. Yeah. It's information. People pay for information. People yeah. like having oh, well, information. That's absolutely true. That's absolutely true. All right. But well, anyway, anyways. Anyway, yeah. All right. Well, on that note, I'll say yeah. welcome, folks, to Uncontrolled Airspace, the podcast that really is about general aviation, I promise you. Um, and uh, I'm here today. I'm Jack Hodgson. I'm coming to you from, uh, from uh, 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 it, it's a heat wave, 45 degrees every day here in uh, Dover, New Hampshire. Um, is that Celsius? Yeah, no. Forty-five degrees Fahrenheit in February in February is a nice day, I'll tell you. I, I, you know, yeah. So I'm not complaining at all. This is really nice. Um, and uh, we've just passed the uh, the hump. The I used to call it the hump. Whatever you want to call the the coldest point of the winter is just passed. So now it's going to get warmer. And uh, and man, I'm telling you, the spring is coming. And I, I was sun and fun's coming. I was just talking to our friend Dave Shelbetter today on the phone, and uh, um, they're all getting all ready for for sun and fun. And uh, um, cool stuff, cool stuff. It's February, man. The, I know, the worst of the winter isn't even here yet. Uh, yeah, you, you I know, I, think... I just looked at the temperature here at, at Watsonville, and it's fifty degrees Fahrenheit today. So we're we're just a little bit warmer than you. We are in sunny let, California. Let me, let me rephrase that. Twenty yeah. years ago, yeah, saying it's February, the worst of winter isn't even here yet, would be an accurate statement. I'm not so sure that's an accurate statement. Well, this is true. The, 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 yeah, the whole the curve has changed, yes. um, and yes. uh, that's for sure. But uh, um, as far as Watsonville is concerned, what did Mark Twain say? He said, uh, what, the, 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 the coldest winter I ever experienced was a summer in San Francisco? Or something? <laughs> yes, that's, and, that is, and let me tell you, that is true, and I it use abs- that line all the time. Oh, it absolutely is no true. It, yeah, it can be unpleasant in San Francisco in the summertime, no question about it. And, and, and strangely enough, there's a... There's a bridge whenever I drive to San Francisco on Highway 101, and when I know that I'm on the, the, the near side of the bridge, it's going to be warm, and when I'm on the least side of the bridge, it's going to be cold. And I, it, think... I, I don't know what it is about that one part, but it's just like, okay, roll the windows up. It's about to get really cold in here. <laughs> uh, before a I... beautiful yeah. day. Yeah. Before I before I lived out in that area, um, I knew the term microclimates, but it was only yeah. after I lived there for a while, and particularly when I learned how to fly, that I became very, very familiar with the concept of microclimates. There's just all kinds yes. of different climates around that area. Um, I'm here in our, our virtual hangar talking to two of my good friends. One of them there is from from sitting right now, apparently, at Watsonville Airport in Watsonville, California. That's uh, J.R. Wormkessel. How you doing, J.R.? What's going on? I'm 
I'm doing so good. I'm sitting on my empire of dirt and I'm thinking about airplanes. So really, this is the best day that there could be. <laughs> yeah. Um, you, you, we were talking about this before we pressed record. You, the, the weather here in the rest of the country, we're hearing crazy stories about rain in California, but apparently it's not quite as bad where you are up to the north. Well, so, so, so remember that California is a really, really big state. So yes. you, you know, when you say it's raining in California, or I think the word they used was atmospheric river. Um, you know, I think in L.A. It's, it's pretty bad. But I'm up here in the northern California, and it is definitely wet. It is definitely moist. But it's not... It's not raining buckets and buckets. In fact, I'm looking outside right now. It's blue skies. It rained here about 15, 20 minutes ago um, for, for a good five or 10 minutes, and then it stopped. Um, one, of the, one of the joys we have here in California, though, is that because of the, the weather patterns, is that the rain comes off the Pacific Ocean. And because there's nothing to block our view of it, our radars see it really far in advance. Yeah. So the, the weather predictions are really good. Like, oh, it's going to rain on Thursday. Oh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to rain on Thursday. Okay, now it's Thursday. Oh, look, it's raining. So um, they're very, very good at predicting when the rain comes, as opposed to in, in the Midwest, where it's like, yeah, I don't know, five minutes, it's going to change. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so are they going to get around to doing something about it? Though? Yeah. Things are good. Yeah. Uh, so, JR, how many airplanes do you have now? Let's just kind of update. I'm 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 at five. Um um, five airplanes. Let's see. We have the 150, which I've been flying. That's quite fun. That's my little tail dragger. It's a tail tail dragger conversion. Um, my 172, which is the airplane that my daughter is taking flight lessons in. Um, uh -huh. I have my Trinidad, which I fly back and forth to Oshkosh. Um, my 310, which is airworthy but needs an annual, and my Apache, which is unairworthy and it needs a restoration. So is that okay. five? I you have an Apache five, also. Yeah. I have an Apache 150. Yeah. 150 uh, constant speed or fixed pitch props? They're variable, variable pitch props. Constant speed, okay. Constant speed, yeah. So, um, interesting. So I, I want to go back to the first one you mentioned. I'm just picturing JR is a is a is a tall guy, a big guy. All right. Um, in in a you have to you have to go with partial tanks in that 150. You really can you take I, a passenger in the 150? Well, maybe. Yeah, okay, no. yeah, okay. Yeah, see, this Small is what I'm talking about. I mean, yeah. okay, so w when I started flying, I would I would fly it in, in, in an interesting way where I'd put my left foot on the left pedal and my right foot on the co-pilot's <laughs> co right pedal, and I would I would straddle the two um, because I am, I'm 6'5". <clears throat> um, but um, I actually have been flying it uh, more recently all a pilot side, um, and as, and the and the funny thing you know what they say about a tail dragger if you can get the tail up then the airplane will fly um, because you know you the CG issues um, but it's 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 so much fun to fly and I've not flown it with anyone else yet and you know weight and balance if they were small there's a there's a chance and yeah. Well, and that's yeah. the other thing about one one fifties. There's a weight issue with one fifties for sure. There's also just it's not very wide. I mean, just like two adult no. people can be real. Oh you no, be, no, no, you're, you're going to have to be close. All right, it's like, uh, yeah, it, it's it's like I don't know how it's going to say climbing into a hammock together, but that's not exactly the right image. Um, it's it's very cozy. It's very cozy. It's Dan, very, don't get me wrong. It's very it's very cozy, yeah. but it's a it's a it's a blast to fly. Um, I, that's uh, my know, recollection. It's been a long time since yeah. I've flown a 150, but uh, yeah, that's my yeah. recollection. Um, well, and as a tail, as it, it has a Texas tail dragger conversion on it, so you know it's it's got all, oh. all those interesting characters. So the funny funny thing though that that conversion gave back 35 pounds. Huh. 
Yeah, okay. Yeah. See, flipping, I'm sorry. Flipping the, no, flipping the mains around and, and uh, yeah. taking out the nose gear. Gives, gives taking you 30, out the nose gear is 30, 35 pounds. That's, yeah. it's, not, it's not insignificant. See, no, I'm sorry. Not... I, I, I didn't know that this was a Texas tail dragger. So this is not really a 150. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm not. Well, I, it's I, not really a tail dragger. Right yeah, well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. Oh, so, you yeah. besmirched my poor airplane. I know. I know. I know. I, I've, I've, I've heard stories, but yeah, I don't have one and I haven't flown one. So, you know. <laughs> Jeb yeah. needs to be quiet, the, you know, sit in the corner. The, the, the beauty of the aircraft is since we fly out of Watsonville, we're right at sea level. The airplane has all the power that it's ever going to have. So you is, know, it's probably is, putting it in the, yeah. This is yeah. muy bueno. And, yeah. and 35 yeah. pounds lighter is, is not 35 pounds is 35 pounds, yeah. Yeah, yeah really. 35 yeah, pounds so. is 35 pounds. Before yeah. I forget, um, uh, sitting over in the corner but seldom being quiet is uh, my other friend here in the <laughs> virtual hangar. That's Jeb Burnside. How are you doing, Jeb? Sarasota, Florida. That's where you're from. What's going yeah. on? Um, I was going to say, don't make me come up there, but uh, 40 degrees as a high for the day is not, <laughs> is, is going to repel me. It will keep me away. Yeah. Yeah. See, it's a, it's yeah. a, yeah, it's a, 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 a it's multifunction a feature. It's, it's, it's not it's, a bug. It's, it's a feature. It's a floor wax and a dessert topping. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. What's going on, Jeb? You, uh, you, uh, uh, beat some air molecules, molecules I, into submission I today. allowed some air to get under the wings of the airplane. I yeah. Ooh, were you flying the Debbie or? Flying the Debbie, yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh, um, yeah. Yeah. A little, little, few hops around the neighborhood, so to speak. Yeah. Um, I don't know, JR, how up to date you are on the podcast. Have you heard about Jeb's new panel? I've heard that it was coming. I, I, it was the last I heard, so I guess I, I assume that it's in. Is it? Is this? Was this its maiden flight? Oh, yeah. Uh, no, Jeb, this is not his major yeah. flight. Now, we've talked uh, about this a lot on the podcast, so, Jeb, yeah. so don't go too crazy here, but tell not, JR just okay. a little bit about your new well, panel. I don't uh, – um, changed out all the all the mechanical stuff for uh, a full yeah. boat uh, Aspen 2500. Oh, very nice. You're going to really three enjoy Three screens that. and, you know, all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. So, um, it, uh, and, the bug, and the can bug you adjust the font size work. on that? Say again? Can you adjust the font size on that? Adjust the font size? I wish. I don't know the way to do that. Um, <laughs> I have I have um, workaround. You know what the workaround okay. is? Yeah. Uh, what is che- it? Cheaters. Cheaters? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I will. I will promise you, as time goes on and the pilot population ages, that that feature is going to become more and more popular. Oh yeah, exactly, exactly. absolutely, exactly. absolutely. Well, and, and we need that on on uh, four flight. There's a lot of fields and a lot of text in four flight. You can't zoom in on. Yeah. So I'm just saying. Okay. Back in the early That's days of Macintosh, back in the very earliest days of Macintosh, I was involved with the Boston Computer Society's Macintosh Users Group, and and we had all kinds of different you know kind of users involved with our group. Um, we had artists, and we had you know uh, uh, what you know. I mean, just any kind of demographic you can imagine. And one of them was a lawyer. We had this guy who was a lawyer, and and he was a little bit of a of an oddball guy, but he was an, he was a sweet guy, and he was dedicated right to he was dedicated to um, um, making. To, to kind of telling lawyers about using Macintosh and and his big thing to make to convince lawyers that they they would that Macintosh was for them was that Macintosh back in those days was the first computer where you could actually change the font size all right mm-hmm. um, so that you could make the fonts bigger on the screen which was admittedly a tiny screen back then but nevertheless you could make the font 
fonts bigger and the rest of us were all going you know this is we're, we're saying to this guy what are you crazy this is like because he'd make these big fonts he'd have these demos we have the big font and you go no but he says the lawyers are all blind they're all these older guys and they can't see and they love the idea that they can make the font bigger um so and and we all thought that was kind of odd back then but now 30 40 years later i go yeah i get that completely i completely understand making his, the font his, bigger. history has proven him right yeah yeah so anyways uh all right, airplanes. What's going on here? Um, interesting story nearby here, um, over at uh, Nashua in Nashua, New Hampshire. Um, a uh, company uh, called Rotor Technologies demonstrated a uh, um, an uncru- uncrewed, basically remotely controlled. I don't think it's autonomous exactly, but uh, um, a helicopter. Um, and it's a full size helicopter. This is not like a you know kind of multi-copter kind of droney kind of thing. All right, this is they, literally they're they're um, repurposing um, um, what's the brand name Williams? What's it's, it? an R, it's an R forty four. Yeah, um, and, yeah, and uh, um, yeah. Apparently, it's a big deal. Apparently, it's the you know it's kind of kind of a, a, a you know. Apparently, there's a category of people who are really I like this idea because it, it's got you know. So, so someone in one of the one of the stories, one of the interviews, they were saying, "Well, why can't you just do this? We've, we see drones all the time, these four and eight rotor drones and whatnot." And they said, "Well, no. The problem is that those don't have the range or the lifting capacity um, to do real jobs. And so they're basically they take out the seats, they take out anything that that is in there." just for the people um and then they replace it with all these mechanisms and and you know um um servos and and whatnot and they basically can fly these uh uh, uh, uh robinson helicopters from uh, from the from the ground and uh, so you know i i have two points on that yeah. um the first is that there's a company out here in hollister which is a nearby airport that flies an air a cessna caravan without a pilot on board yeah uh, called Rel- reliable robotics um but but moreover, this is a portent of things to come. The, the future, a lot of the future in aviation that many of our listeners will not appreciate is that the need for people who manually operate the aircraft is going to go, go down dramatically. And the people who will occupy the seats will be much less pilots and much more operators. And it will mean that people who don't want to get a pilot's license can push a button and the aircraft will more or less fly them wherever they want to go. And at that point, they will really become more more be, be, more payload than than pilot granddaddy granddaddy come come tell us again about how you used to fly piston powered airplanes by hand right right yeah it, yeah. It's 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 going to come to an end, and it's 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 not that far away. Um, you know, Joe B and there's a zillion Arrow. There's a zillion companies working on this, and you know the technology is 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 in the in the in the near distant. It's not it's not in that magic anymore. And you know, if Tesla can drive a car um, <clears throat> with an autopilot, you know, we've been flying airplanes with autopilots for a long yeah, time. Yeah, well, it's bad example because apparently bad, they can't. yeah, really not yeah. the best example. But, uh, but your point is well taken, Jr. I, I you know uh, you know. For for good or bad, I think that kind of stuff is is coming for sure. Um, yeah, and it, and, and it will it will change. It will be neither good nor bad. It will just be different. Yeah, yeah, cool. Uh, what else? Is, uh, Jr. You said you wanted us to ask you about you. You, you were in London. Oh. Yeah, I was. <laughs> so did, did you? Um, did, well, actually, I'm sorry. Were there, yeah. This was not like some sort of didn't cause some sort of diplomatic incident some sort of I did not I did not have to flee the country um on a um on any kind of emergency visa or anything like that actually you know it's it's funny um 
my 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 day job has sent me to Spain a number of years, and one of the interesting aspects of Spain from San Francisco, uh, which is nearby where I live, is that it's very hard to get a nonstop flight, and and consequently, I always had the opportunity to go somewhere, kind of anywhere I wanted to go in Europe, at, for a layover. Um, and, and one of my favorite places to go is, is London. And so, as I said, I think this is my third or fourth time um, to, to, to do one of these trips by myself. And, and each time I've kind of gone to the city of London and use it as a base of operations and then stru- struck out from there to go find interesting aviation things to go do. Yeah. What? Like um, what? Well, so let me give you some examples. So um, in England, there's a series of war museums called the Imperial War Museums. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the one of the famous ones is a place called Duxford. And Duxford is an Imperial War Museum that's set up like a World War II um, military base. And it has about five or six hangars full of aircraft, some flying, mostly not, um, that you can go see. And they have a pair of Dragon aircraft that you can get rides in, which is a, I want to say it's a nine seat, I may be wrong on that, a twin um, biplane that you can go get, they'll give you a ride around the patch, um, which is all kinds of fun. You can go see the bunker, which is kind of the place where they fought the war from. This is the one with the big toy map that they would push the, the mm-hmm. aircraft around. Sure. Yep. Um, there's the Royal Air Force Museum in London. Anyway, so I, I could go on and on. The, the the one that I have to mention because I think it's so so critically important um, is the Science Museum in in downtown London has on the third story an entire floor full of world uh, of piston aircraft basically all of them every, a model of every major um, example of a piston aircraft and they have just pallets of these things and you can go say oh there's this this there's this engine and here's the uh, rotary one and here is every 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 one you might imagine now they don't do a very good job explaining what it is and why it's important and how how it changed aviation and and you can actually if you understand how it worked you could walk through it okay but anyway all of that's the stuff i've done in the past but this time this trip I had a chance to go to um, uh, many places, but this was the place. Th- this trip, I, instead of staying in London, I traveled all around the uh, all around UK. Um, so I went. To, my first stop was a place called Shuttleworth, and Shuttleworth is one of the places that I think that your listeners really should try to go. Um, Shuttleworth has a has a collection of about five hangars of aircraft, but the difference is is all of their aircraft are flying aircraft. Mm-hmm. Um, they're all piston aircraft, and um, they have um, co-located at this airport slash museum a the Cambridge Flying Club. And at this flying club, they have two uh, Gypsy Moth aircraft. Ooh. And for for a few dollars, they will take you out flying in their aircraft. Um, they use these for primary instruction, which is shocking to me. Um, but but let me just give you a little flavor of the aircraft. It's an open cockpit fabric aircraft, yeah. a, a biplane. Uh-huh. Uh, it has a stick. It has a tail skid, not a tail wheel, yeah. operating on a grass runway. It has no brakes. It has no starter. And, you know, you, you see the movies where the, the, the pilots are, are yelling clear and the, the guy props the airplane. Well, that's what it was like. And yeah. I, in the middle of November, got to fly over England in a in a in one of these aircraft. And it was magical. Wow. It was, uh, it was an experience that I will never forget. And, and part of me would love to go back there and spend a week, fly every day <clears throat> that I could. 
and really learned to master that aircraft. But just the, but you know, I never would have thought that I would have had a chance to fly one of these, and it was it was an incredible experience. So, congratulations, um, that's great. Yeah, very, thank you. Very cool. Um, I also went to the Imperial War Museum North, which is kind of a, up north. It wasn't it wasn't very good aviation wise. I went to the Royal Air Force Museum in the Midlands, um, and and the thing about that aircraft, that that air museum that was so um, uh, breathtaking for me, was that they have a Me two sixty two, which was the German first one of the first German jet uh, powered aircraft, and they have an engine where you can actually look and see the engine, the the real engine that came out of the war, and. Believe it or not, on the nose of that thing, there's a two-stroke pull starter to start the motor. It has a, I, has a pony I motor. I knew that. I did know that. Yeah. But I, yes. Yeah. It was just, I'm like, I'm looking at it going, that's a two-stroke motor. <laughs> there's a pull string. Um, yeah. So, you know, I, I there are so many aircraft, I don't have time to talk about all of them. Uh, they also have a, a, a V1 and a V2 there. Um, anyway, so that was another really fun place. And, and then the, the other place that I got to go, um, so I was there for about seven days, so kind of between the, the, the recovering from my, my work trip and, and the traveling around the country. The other place was to go to the tank museum, and, and the, they have no airplanes there. But as far as a tank museum goes, it is amazing. So, And that's down kind of near Southampton, um, which is in the kind of the southern area of England. And I strongly encourage, if you guys are all interested in tanks, to go see it. Because they have what is literally the very first tank, um, <clears throat> all the way up to the modern tanks. They have, they have more tanks than you can shake a stick at. And the thing that's really amazing, I'm sitting there in the parking lot, and all of a sudden this tank goes driving by. And it turns out they've taken tanks and turned them into trainers, where they've taken the turrets off of them. And they put a Coppola for an instructor and the driver to sit, and they, dr- and they teach... The, the new recruits how to dr- operate these vehicles, the modern modern tanks. So, so it is absolutely incredible. These are military recruits, or is this just some sort of yeah? Re- no, it's a military. Yeah, it's, oh, okay. it's, it's I believe it's Bob- Bobbington. So it's kind of co-located <clears throat> with a military base, and and I don't know for a fact, but I believe that what what has happened is a lot of the Ukrainian uh, people who are being taught how to drive tanks have are coming over, and they're being taught in Bobbington. Ah, uh, yeah, that okay. Sense. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. yeah. Um, my dad served um, was served in tanks in, during World War II. That's my only connection to tank. He never talked about it very much, but I, I knew that he was he was a I think he was like a, a loader or a gunner or something like that in the tanks. He's probably a loader. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, very cool, Jr. Thank you for. But that's uh, I, I I you you're probably right. We probably can't go on forever about this, but I, I want to hear more yeah. as time goes on. We'll we'll, we'll pump well, you for more stories. Well, when, yeah, when please please do, and you know. I guess what I would tell your listeners is if you find yourself in London, uh, there is so many places to go see. Um, there are so many um, 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 museums that have that have become you know part of aviation. They, they became the museum, the Vickers Museum, the Mosquito Museum. It, it just goes on and on and on. And you know you wouldn't even think to go to these places, um, but you know if you simply type, yeah, I mean I'm in this part of London for this amount of time. Type it into Google, and, and there is so much to yeah. go see and do there. Um, and for me, it was amazing. So this is this is the fourth time, and I've seen different stuff every time. I, I would echo that. I, I've I've been to one of the museums that Jay was talking about, the the uh, Imperial War Museum downtown. Um, mm-hmm. The only the only thing I would add to any of this is uh, the Tube Stop, the Abbey Road Tube Stop uh-huh. is not anywhere near the Abbey Road. That would be what I would think about. <laughs> oh, oh, well, okay, you know. 
Yeah, take the good with the bad, I guess. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Every 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 day must have a little rain, huh? Yes, yeah. exactly. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, that gypsy moth thing sounds very very cool, Jr. I, I was just. It was, and I'll I'll send you a photo. It, it, it was it was absolutely. It had three coats on, and I and I had such fun. It's yeah. such fun. I can't can't tell you how much fun it was. Uh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Moving on here. Um, is GPS spoofing becoming a thing here? Um, we're seeing. I'm, I'm seeing a lot of stories, not a lot, but more than multiple, more than one, multiple stories recently about various um, GPS users ought to be concerned about GPS spoofing um, affecting the safety of flight. Um, I don't know, Jeb. You're the safety guy, uh, and and by the way, you got quite the GR G, GPS rig right now. Um, do you know anything about this? Um, yes and no. There's there's Two basic things going on. Uh, one of them is kind of old hat uh, and something we've been living with for a while. The other thing going on is, hey, have you read the newspapers lately? There's a lot of, of conflict going on in various areas of the world. Military conflict, yeah. Military conflict. And uh, uh, so there's there's an increase uh, of uh, jamming or spoofing uh, in those in those. Um, um, those areas yep. uh, where, where there is uh, a fighting going on, where there is, where there is conflict. Um, there's also has been, and will com- I'm sure will continue to be, um, testing done by in, in the U.S. in U.S. airspace by the military that is is basically um, um, just jamming. Uh, yeah, there might be a little bit of spoofing going on, but it's it's not really reared its ugly head. Um, and that's been again you know, offshore, uh, but in airspace that uh, uh, is frequented by by uh, uh, civilian aircraft. So there's that going on. That's always going on, and it's going to continue to go on. Although uh, there have been some complaints from some some sectors of the of the industry. I can't begin to tell you how long or or how far. Conflict-related uh, uh, GPS jamming and spoofing might extend. Mm-hmm. Uh, your guess is as good as mine. And uh, if I were y'all, I'd uh, brush up on your VOR skills for a while, just for grins. Really? JR, so if, I, if I can jump in there for just a minute. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I've been getting GPS outage warnings for almost 20 years. Almost yeah. the entire time yeah. I've been flying. Yeah. You know, and, and Edwards is, you know, or, or, or down in L.A., uh, has been a, a common, common continuous place where they do testing. Although it's rarely ever affected me. Uh, the thing I would tell you, your, your listeners, is that GPS is a very fragile signal. It is. <clears throat> Most people don't understand. It's 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 not hundreds of watts. It's it's probably watts of power that's coming from these satellites and yeah yeah they're well it depends how far they away they are but it's it's not a lot of power and you know when a when a receiver listens to that signal it listens to the signal again and again and again and that's how it does its form of error correction looking to say okay well this parts of this yeah. parts of that signal seems stable and this is what we project it to be so it's it, these things are very easily jammed and, and one of the reasons we still have vors and ILS and these kind of ground-based systems is is that i think that the government has recognized that the gps is very good most of the time but it does have its fragility and you know you guys should remember how to use these very fundamental systems and i don't think i think they're going to be reduced in numbers but they're not going to be removed yeah well the the uh, we just did an article in aviation safety uh, about this topic the topic being the minimum operational network or mon 
that the uh, agency is edging towards in the U.S. with respect to ground-based uh, uh, navigation facilities, VORs, ILSs, localizers. And uh, they're about, I don't know, uh, two-thirds, maybe half of the way through a multi-year program uh, to both identify and reinforce the, uh, the minimum network such that, A, their civilians will always have coverage um, above 5,000 feet MSL, uh, and B, there will always be an airport with an ILS or with a localizer, not requiring DME, not requiring any form of RNAV or anything like that, within 100 miles of some location in the U.S. Hmm, okay. Uh, and, you know, let's... I, with are the, with they, the, are they committed to that, or is that just no, a it's, proposal? It's, it's, it's underway. Okay. The, uh, the, a lot of EORs have been de- decommissioned, but a lot of others have been improved, beefed up. Um, um, they, they've extended the what they call the service uh, standard service volume. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how all that works, and I just certainly don't know how it all extends, how it all is extended. But these are things that um, the FAA is taking seriously, and is 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 implementing and it's a great reason to bone up on your vor skills uh just to just to choose one outcome hopefully we'll never get to the point where gps goes down either either locally regionally or internationally for any kind of period of time but um uh, being prepared is probably a good good uh, response to the challenge yeah, yeah. so that's that's kind of where we just that had is. A- go ahead we just had a VR come online here at Watsonville, believe it or not. Uh, yeah. Designed for exactly what you're describing. Exactly. Long, uh, high altitude. Uh-huh. Yeah, far-reaching. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So there's that going on. And um, um, whether, you know, let's, let's back up. A lot of the news is that uh, uh, Middle East, Eastern Europe, uh, GPS disruptions are fairly prevalent or are I, I, Perhaps should say should be should be expected. Yeah. Um, whether they, that'll extend to other areas of the country, other, of the world, other areas of Europe or of the world, can't tell you. Yeah. Uh, my guess is, you know, uh, um, uh, expect the worst, plan for the uh, expect the the best outcome, but plan for the worst. Yeah. Hope, hope for the best. Hope for the best. Hope yeah. for the best. Yeah. Plan for the yeah. worst. Okay. Sounds good. Sounds good. Okay, well, uh, uh, cue the fancy graphic and the uh, nice, neat intro music, and welcome, folks, to the uh, uh, new, new poor, poor Boeing segment of the Controlled Airspace <laughs> oh. Podcast. What do we have for our guest tonight? John? Yeah, I know, yeah. right? I know. The hits keep, the hits keep coming. So, oh so um, you guys are looking at the list, and I don't expect we're going to talk about all these, but I just kind of just as an illustration of how many uh, Boeing-related stories there are in the past, you know, couple of weeks since we last recorded. It's just there's like six of them here. Um, but 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 you know what? The, here's the, the the lead is the lead. All right. I mean, it's just pretty obvious here. Um, no bolts. No bolts. All right. This is the story that came out from what was it? NTSB or FAA or whatever. Um, uh, after initial investigation into the uh, the door plug thing from that Alaska Airlines, um, they have concluded that it not it did not simply have poorly bolted or loose bolts that there were no bolts holding that door in place is what they're now saying is that why it fell off yeah i think <laughs> yeah i think yeah <laughs> uh um 
Yikes. I mean, okay. Um, yeah. I don't know. I, I here, here's, here's something that's, that's bothered me <clears throat> almost from the first reports about this. Yeah. There was nobody sitting next to the plug. There were like seven seats available right. open okay. on the airplane. Yeah. There was nobody sitting next to the, the I, plugged door. And the implication being the B part of this is the airplane had been squawked um, for pressurization issues, had had been MEL'd but stricken from the uh, ETOPS capable roster of aircraft within Alaskan Airways. And someone knew there was well. a problem there. And someone knew there was a problem specifically in that row and that window seat, in that, that seat. See, that someone would, knew, and the airplane kept flying. I'm convinced if, of that. You, if this is true, you, you that's an that's incredibly juicy story. I don't know. It just seems – I'm sorry, JR, I stepped on you. What were you saying? Oh, yeah. No, no, no. Well, I, I, I'm sorry. Uh, you know, the thing, the thing that I'd point out to you is that those seats, and, and I don't know all the details, but I presume were bulkhead seats. No. And remember that no, most – No, they were not. No, they, they were, were not. They were um, – just um, I don't no, this know. Two thirds of the two thirds of the length of the fuselage. Yeah, this there is a no bulkhead there. Yeah, this is this is after a, the wing. Well, but or, yeah, but this this is, it's an emergency exit row though. Not really. So uh, where I was going with yeah, go ahead, Jer. Go yeah. ahead. It's not. But tell me what you're where I'm say. going with this. Well, is that if it was an emergency exit row, those rows are the rows the airlines charge extra money to sit in. Yeah, I know. But that, and a lot of times, especially if it's a very short flight, they, they don't sell. That I was wasn't on a flight. The case in this, that wasn't those, the case here. Yeah, yeah this was A, oh, yeah, this okay. was not an exit row. It was uh, configured as a normal, a non-exit row, like on any other 73. Yeah. Uh, and, okay. um, you know, they ran the tracks, the, the, they ran the, the overheads. Um, it was all the same. There was no extra leg room. There's no extra, uh, no amenity on that mm. row. Yeah. But that row, okay. was, that row was empty. Yeah. Someone yeah. knew about wow. this. Someone I, knew that there okay. was something going on. Just be careful. All right. This is Burnside. B U R. I'm just saying. It's it's just it's too it much a, of a coincidence. It is quite a coincidence. There's no question about it. Um, but um, yeah. I'm just saying. So, anyways. Yeah. Any of these other ones here? I don't want to talk about all of them here. What do we got here? We got uh, oh, so well, Boeing. Boeing, in their wisdom, said, you know, well, we were going to ask for a certain safety exemption, but we're not going to ask for that uh, anymore. Yeah, we, we, we got our hands full here. <laughs> yeah. So they decided not to ask for the safety, but apparently it's a routine thing asking for these safety exemptions. Um, but well, but 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 is it in, is this are all of these issues indicative of the fact that? That the drive for the profit has become greater than the responsibility of safety. A lot of, and, pe- and I only ask that. Yeah, no, I know. And 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 there's a, there's a lot of people believe. A lot of people think that this is related to the fact that Boeing management changed in the last I don't know what ten fifteen years from being managed by aviation people to being managed by business people. All right, and mm-hmm. and the whole the whole you know kind of attitude changed as a result uh, and people think that that's a factor and i suppose it could be i don't have no idea um uh, but th- something's broken here because we just keep hearing more and more stories about about uh, um you know quality problems to put it gen- you know gently um uh, on these aircraft and uh yeah, yeah the, the timeline of pe- a lot of people are are uh, talking about is uh ah gosh i'm gonna say 
early 90s, I guess, Boeing, I'm going to put the word acquired in scare quotes, acquired McDonnell Douglas. Mm-hmm. And um, that's why the Boeing 717 is really just a reworked uh, DC-9, MD-88, MD-90, whatever. <clears throat> but um, the story goes that the management, uh, McDonnell Douglas management, took over much of uh, Boeing's management positions, if you will. And started influencing uh, Boeing, and that's where you know the, the the slide down the hill started, so to speak. I'm not sure I buy all that. I don't know that McDonnell Douglas's managers are any worse or better than Boeing's, and yada yada yada. You know, people say, well, they shouldn't have moved to Chicago, or, or they shouldn't have moved to DC, the headquarters, and and, or, and things like this. And I don't know that that's really relevant or not either, but. Um, I don't know if it's management has taken home too many bucks and they got a, a scrimp in other places or, or whatever is going on. But it's clear that there is some, some kind of a systemic problem going on at Boeing. Seems and that way for the, sure. The, the yeah. back series has kind of uh, brought it all to a head. Now, I have to hasten to add that um, stuff happens to other airplanes too. Stuff yeah. has happened to Airbus airplanes. Uh, and stuff has happened to uh, uh, some uh, uh, some other uh, uh, yeah the uh, Bombardier and some ATRs and things like that, but uh, not Bombardier Embraer. Uh, but anyway, um, we'll work through it, and you know nothing's foolproof, and there's always risk in everything. Yeah, so. yeah. Crazy times, crazy times. Um, Anyways, let's see now. We're sort of reaching the end of our allotted time here. Um, I, I, if I had thought about this, I wouldn't have put these all back to back. But I've got three sort of uh, farewell, you know, kind of uh, pat on the back, uh, you know, uh, whatever stories here. Let's see if we can. Um, um, Hal and Sandy Shevers of Sporty's Pilot Shop um, have uh, announced they're going to retire, which, quite frankly, I'm surprised they haven't, they haven't retired sooner because they certainly deserve it. They've worked hard for years and built that yeah. thing into yeah. a, a monster um, in a good way, a good monster. Um, two, two really nice people, too. And they are very sweet people. Um, uh, they've both been on the podcast, not not in a while, but there was a period of time where they were on, um, like, every every summer they'd, they'd visit us. And uh, um, they, they have been great friends of this podcast and, as you say, sweet people very very nice people um and uh and i just you know i'm sure i speak for jeb and, and jr when i say we wish them well and in, in their retirement and uh you know very very cool jeb anything in particular you want to add no, about Alan I, sandy uh, um would simply reiterate that um uh they've earned it uh they deserve it and and uh, congratulations yeah 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 I, I don't know them well but i i wish them luck yes um also, uh, uh, another friend of the podcast, Dan Johnson, um, who um, has been on the podcast many, many times over the years. Dan, um, um, most notably, was the head of, of LAMA, the Light Aircraft Manufacturers Association. Um, he also had a very, very successful website um, uh, by DanJohnson.com, which was announced a, a few months back that he had um, been acquired by the uh, new flying magazine media conglomerate thing. Um, and uh, But the news most recently is that Dan has decided to retire from being 
being the head of the Light Manufacturer Aircraft Manufacturers Association. Um, and uh, um, again, well, well deserved. Quite a quite a uh, quite a, uh, a, a proponent and, and supporter and and uh, and cheerleader for the aviation world. Mm-hmm. Um, and and not coincidentally, uh, the guy who taught Dave Higdon how to fly yeah, way back when. Big, um, big time and long time links uh, um, between Dan and between Dave Higdon. Yes, absolutely. So we wish uh, we wish Dan Johnson well, and uh, um, and I'm not sure what this means, you know, because I don't know, I'm not sure what his relationship is to his by Dan Johnson thing now that he's been acquired, um, and uh, I don't know if maybe retiring from Llama is because he's going to be more involved. We're gonna have to t- we'll have to track him down in a few weeks when we're at at uh, Lakeland and uh, and see what he's up to. But uh, but whatever's next for Dan Johnson, we wish him well, and uh, that's that's very cool. You know, the the one thing I'd like to just point out real quickly is that this is an opportunity for, for those people in, that are not in aviation to get in aviation and do something, you know, go take up the mantle and, and fill, fill the holes. Because, you know, as certain various people retire and move on to do other things, you know, it gives opportunity for new growth. And, uh, you know, you, you, you guys are the future. Yeah. 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 And then finally, and uh, the, maybe this isn't the same as those two because those are two about real people who've done great things in aviation. And, and um, but it's no secret to regular listeners that Jeb and I have been big fans of the um, uh, Mars helicopter rotorcraft um, ingenuity program for uh, whatever it's been now years. Um, and uh, uh, sadly, uh, ingenuity was damaged recently um, after a, a flight and uh, and was judged to be on a, on a no longer airworthy. And uh, and NASA decided to end that program, um, that phenomenally successful program. I mean, just unbelievably successful program um, that was both scientifically and engineering wise a huge success, but was actually inspirational, if you ask me. Um, and uh, um, ingenuity is is done. Um, it's a very sad. I don't know. You know, it's like so. Apparently, it. Uh, there were there were there were stories, and I don't know if this was before we talked on the podcast or not because there were this there were stories on our list here. Um, the the first stories that came out was that they lost contact with Ingenuity um, at towards the end of one of its flights, and and we and, and many of us were going, oh my goodness, what's going on? And then like a day later, they announced that they had gotten contact back, they had, they had regained communication with Ingenuity, and then like a day after that, they announced that they discovered that Ingenuity had been damaged. Apparently, um, it the way it flies the way it senses its attitude um it was flying over some different kind of terrain and and as a result it couldn't quite judge its attitude very well and they think the stories imply that what happened was that it came down at an angle or it came down i don't know just out of out of whack and and dragged the rotor tips and there's actually pictures of the shadow of the ro- of the rotors where they the the, uh, the the rotor tips have broken off um and uh yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. I, all that's fine and dandy, and, and I'm sorry that that uh, 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 the, the uh, little helicopter that could is not going to fly anymore. But I think we have to, you know, give some props to the Martian air defenses for <laughs> for for their their uh, uh, perseverance. Their patience, yeah, okay, and their marksmanship. Yeah, all right, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, the, the marksmanship is is really the most the most important, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Jeb thinks. Okay, can well, I, I can I just go ahead, Jr. 
Yeah, can I just just briefly tangent off of this because there's actually something that that I've been really into um, that I'd like to just share briefly. Yeah. Um, on on YouTube, there is a series put together put out by a guy named Curious Mark, who's a local here in California. Yeah. He, he and his friends got him, themselves an Apollo guidance computer and restored it to an operating condition and have flown simulated landings on the moon with this thing. And uh, it was a 40-part series, four zero parts, yeah. about how they did it and, and how the whole thing does. And I strongly encourage, if anyone's interested in the guidance computer that landed on the moon, to go check that out. Hmm, cool. Yeah. I, I, I think I've seen that bits of that series. I haven't actually watched it. But uh, the irony is that that computer... That that like my Apple Watch is probably a more powerful computer than than yes. that computer, um, but but many 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 times more yeah. powerful. But never but but that just goes to what a genius work of engineering that those computers were, mm-hmm. um, that they managed to to land on the moon, uh, to navigate to the moon, and then land on the moon, and then come home with those computers. It's pretty impressive, and yeah, those people who were doing doing a, a restoration of that computer. It's an interesting story. I yeah. I, I may track it. Very interesting story. And, and look into it some more. But so ingenuity's yeah. done, sadly, and uh, I, I hope I'm not making too much of a big deal out of this. But I, I, it's kind of sad. If it, to me, it's kind of sad, and uh, I almost wish, I almost wish. So so ingenuity came down, dragged a tip, broke the blade, the rotor, um, but ended up upright on the surface in communication with its operators. Um, I almost wish that it had failed catastrophically, that it could have gone down in a blaze, (laughs) you know, um, I, I, I speculated on this podcast way back in the early days of, of ingenuity program. I said, I said, they're going to fly this thing until it crashes, until it dies. That's it's, that's it's, it's, you know, kind of, um, ultimate end is it's going to crash and be, be lost. And that's not the way it ended up. Um, it ended up sitting on the sitting on the train um, in communication, but nothing to be done with it. And so they basically um, persever- is it perseverance the the rover that's associated with it um, basically just left it behind, and and ingenuity just got left sitting on the sand. And they speculate that um, it will gradually be covered up by the sand drifts and uh, and and disappear. Sad. So, which would have been better? Would it have been better for it to go in a blaze of glory, or to be forgotten in the dunes of time? I, 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 I don't know. Part of me thinks blaze of glory, but I, you know, because there's an image. There's one Im- image in particular that really caught my attention, which is what again, whatever its rover was. Pers- I want to say perseverance, but whatever its rover. Um, as its rover was leaving the area, it took one last picture back looking at Ingenuity, and you could see Ingenuity kind of just sitting all by itself on the sand dunes, and that's where it will sit for the rest of time. Or until Some people speculate that, um, that human explorers on Mars will one day go and retrieve it, um, and maybe, maybe. Yeah. Anyways. don't know. Uh, it's a good question. Congratulations to the folks at NASA. All yes, kidding aside. Big, big time. Yes. All kidding aside. Congratulations to the folks at NASA for a phenomenal program. All, almost all of these Mars programs in the last, whatever, two decades have been spectacular. Um, and uh, um, and this is just the latest. And they they made so many amazing discoveries with Ingenuity that I, I just have high hopes for whatever the next you know aircraft on Mars is. It's going to be pretty cool. It's going to be pretty cool. All right. Um, I think that's all. Really, anything else you want to talk about? Anything else we didn't didn't get to? Uh, we skipped a couple things, but I think we're okay. Unless you yeah, want to, okay. you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. Let me look. Let me look. Okay. Let me look. Let me look. 
Um, Gypsy moth, huh, Jr. Very, very cool. Yeah. Gypsy moth. Yeah. 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 How did yeah. front and back seating, or is, is Gypsy moth front and back yep, seating? Yep. So are you front, front and back? And so did you sit in the front or the back? <clears throat> I got to sit in the front. In the front. Um, front is where in, the passenger. In the front. Yeah. And yeah. Okay. The well, first, the first, yeah, they, uh, both, they uh, both had a full. <laughs> first to arrive at the scene of the accident. Uh, yeah. Okay. Let the first, Jr. First talk. First to arrive at the scene of the accident. <laughs> um, Oh no! I it's it's it was you know I, I've had a chance to fly a Stearman, and um, both of those aircraft, the Stearman and the Gypsy Moth, are incredibly fun to fly. Um, the, the, first of all, I fit in them beautifully. Unlike the one hundred and fifty, there is all kinds of room <clears throat> to sit there. You never hit your head on anything. Um, you get great visibility, and and other than being just a, a touch nippy. Um, it it is it's so much fun, but 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 the best was to get the aircraft hand prop, you know, contact the whole thing, contact clear, yeah. and it, and they fire that thing up, and it just it it just is an incredible experience, and and I never thought, you know, I, I've never seen a tail skid aircraft, um, um, a flying aircraft. Yeah, it is actually the second one I've seen. I saw one the first time I was in England, um, but but to get the fly one, oh, it was it was it was magical. Yeah. Um, you just, uh, yeah, uh, Jeb, so. I don't know if he sent you the picture too, but uh, he just texted me a picture of him sitting in the cockpit of this thing. Yes, um, he did send it Very, to very me. cool though, Jeb. And, and, and JR, I see that they, they also have you wearing a uh, World War I vintage uh, helmet there. Um, oh, no. Hey, you know, actually, it was, it was not a vintage, but it was a helmet, and it had, it actually, you know, had two visors. Yeah. Um, it looks a little they, bit more Maverick Top Gun in, than it does Gypsy Moth. They, but, oh, very, yeah. very. They do things very different in England than they do in America. Uh, it's, it's a different it's a different thing uh, you know all of their pilot all of their student pilots wear nomex flight suits and you know what whatnot um and uh, you know the, the guy was the guy was really funny he was he was really really fantastic instructor and he you know he he you know he's used to giving rides so you know he goes yeah you ever fly I said, yeah i got about three thousand hours he goes okay <laughs> so he takes off and then he goes okay it's your airplane and just do whatever you want with it i, I don't you know whatever you want you know fly over here left right um and he kind of navigates me around in the uk airspace um but um he, he he gets back and he goes hey you're okay with this i go oh well good <laughs> thank, thank you I, <laughs> I i feel like i've earned <laughs> you earned the compliment where oh i can i can navigate this you know this this uh, whatever it was 1920s 1930s aircraft and i'm, and I'm okay at flying it after all of these hours yeah. so that was that was in, in fairness it was a very kind thing for him to say yeah, that's very was, cool uh, very very cool i'm jealous nice, yeah. i'm jealous <laughs> Uh, Je- uh, you, Jeb, did you, you, f- you should be jealous. You should go out there and fly it, Jack. Uh, the next time you're in, in ne- the London, next time I'm in London, yeah, right, yeah. Jeb, did you find yeah. anything else we should talk about? Or are we done? No, we're done. Okay, that's. Uh, let's see now. Thank you, guys. It's always a blast. This has been a particularly fun time. Uh, Jr. Wormkessel. Jr. is a uh, high time private pilot. He's rated to fly single engine, multi engine, and gliders. He's got commercial ratings for each, in, and he's a, a CF for you know like all of those. All right. Um, yeah. He's also an A and P mechanic with Inspector privileges and uh and apparently i don't know if you're any place on the internet these days jr are you? you you know i believe i believe i have an article coming out in a certain publication hmm. in uh in march yes yeah i think you do <laughs> so uh, you you could you could go check and in fact i believe i did talk about a little bit about my trip so mm-hmm. i i encourage your listeners okay. to go find that article and, and, and don't be so sly and, tell uh, us what publication you're talking about it's called aviation safety that uh, there you go 
our, our good friend here is the editor of. Yeah. And it's called What Now, Captain? So that's, uh, I, I encourage you to go find it. Have the fish. Uh, okay, sounds good. Thank you, JR. <laughs> yes, have the uh, fish. And that's Jeb Burnside. Jeb's a freelance aviation writer and editor. He's the editor-in-chief of Aviation Safety Magazine. Uh, and his writing also appears in a variety of other aviation publications. You can find Jeb's work online at aviationsafetymagazine.com, also at avweb.com, aea.net, and others. And I'm Jack Hodgson. I'm a private pilot, a freelance writer, and a digital media producer. My personal website is jackhodgson.com. You can also find me creating non-general aviation content at patreon.com slash jackhodgson and youtube.com slash jackhodgson. Uh, and you can find my ebooks on Amazon by searching for Around the Field in the books section. And thank you, folks, for taking the time to listen. If possible, please become a supporter of this podcast at patreon.com slash uncontrolled airspace. Or you can make a PayPal tip jar donation, care of the email address podcast at uncontrolledairspace.com. Supporting us with as little as a few dollars each month is a big, big help. And we'd love to hear from you, so use that same email address podcast at uncontrolledairspace.com to send us your comments and questions. Anyways, Jeb, was there some uh, words of wisdom you had for us? I just wanted to remind everybody that superior pilots are those who use their superior judgment to avoid those situations where they might have to use their superior skills. So on. Very good. All right, Wayward Aviators, that's enough talking. Let's go flying. <laughs>